to the Brainstorming Basketball Podcast. We have a very, very special guest today. I, I don't know. Do you want to be introduced as a super Golden State Warrior fan, super basketball trainer? What do you, what do you want the people to know you as? Or all the above? Honestly, all the above, man. But I love it. I'm happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. So, um, introduce yourself, though, real quick to the people. Yeah. All right. Uh, my, my Instagram is clayhoops868. I work here at the Hoop House with Coach Ryan Rizuki um, and Justin Rizuki, all the trainers out here. I've been training for a couple of years now. Huge Golden State Warriors fan, huge basketball fan. Um, I'm excited to talk with you, bro. I'm excited to have you on. Obviously, uh, if our audience doesn't know, I was at the Hoop House for a few months, got to meet Clay and all the other amazing people there at the Hoop House in San Diego. And right off the bat, me and Clay, we had a we had a chemistry talking basketball. It's just it's natural. So we knew we had to get him on the podcast. And like you mentioned, yes, huge, huge Golden State Warriors fan. So yeah. so we, we got that in common, right? Because you know yeah. you're about you're about on the bandwagon almost. So I no not almost. I'm on the bandwagon. <laughs> we suck. I need teams to root for, and you guys are a natural fit. Um, on the watch, man. Let's start off right off the bat because Steph Curry's having a huge year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is no okay. I don't want to offend you. He's not in my top three MVP, but that's not he's that's number- fair. Four okay. So can I hear the top three though? Because I, I think that's fair. Honestly, I do. I, I think no matter what, I think MVP comes down to how how well you're able to lead your team. And although he's been able to lead the Warriors, we're we're not top three seed or anything like that. So I don't expect him to be up there yet. So, so my top three is Jokic, LeBron, and Embiid in that order. But the thing is, Steph is in the race. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to ask you, make your pitch right now for Steph for MVP. Go ahead. All right. So, uh, you know, I think that the thing that, that Steph's not getting credit for enough is that his roster is, is almost completely brand new. And he's still doing exactly what you know he's going to do. He's putting up, you know, he's got the most, most points in the league right now. Um, most three pointers, obviously, even though, you know, it's a down shooting year for him, I think, um, you know, he's popping off the scene. He's got, the, he, he got the most points in the game with the 62. He's, he's hitting crazy combos and, uh, you know, he's leading his team. I do think right now, you know, we mentioned, we talked about this before we opened the podcast, but they're what a, a, a seed right now. Mm-hmm. I do think that's going to rise a little bit. I think they'll probably end up in the top five, um, which is, you know, some consider that a, that a hot take. I think, I think we'll get there easily. Um, and so I think if he propels us to, you know, top five, top three, um, and he's averaging, you know, above 30 and, you know, breaking records like he usually does when he has a healthy season, it's going to be hard to count him out. Cause I mean, like I said, he's got a brand new roster. He's doing it by himself out there, you know, all time, great, all time legend. He's impossible to stop. So you mentioned something at the beginning there with kind of what I've noticed is like you, you mentioned new combos and new moves that he's doing. There's been a little bit more isolation uh, from Steph this year than we're used to. What's yeah. that been like as a Warriors fan to see him kind of like take up the, the, the ISO ball? So honestly, it's a little frustrating and I don't think it's, I just think it's kind of somewhat out of necessity. I think when Draymond's on the court, when we got some more playmakers on the court, it comes, it comes out of that a little bit. Like I think Damian Lee is a pretty underrated playmaker. I think Andrew Wiggins, honestly, he can make plays too, but Andrew Wiggins is more of an ISO playmaker. And um, so it's a little frustrating to watch Steph coming off those screens and someone being in his way or, you know, he sees, a, you know, we I, like I'm, I'm, I'm right there with Steph. So 
we're looking at the same stuff. If I see a back door open, I know he's frustrated. It's not there for him. It's the same kind of plays aren't opening up. So I think that's why he's, he's more ISO heavy this year, just out of necessity. I think he kind of has to. Uh, but again, when he needs to do that, he can, he's a walking bucket. He can get one. It's just, uh, it's not really, it's not the best kind of offense. I think it's not as efficient. So. Yeah, yeah I, I, I completely agree. I, I do believe it's out of necessity. Now, speaking of necessity, Instagram only lets you put two options on polls, which is really frustrating to me because I had a poll last week that was the Bradley Beal, which team would you like to see him go to? Golden State, I, I didn't know who to eliminate. It was Denver, Miami, Golden State, Philadelphia. Yeah. So I had to pick two. But you really think you really think Miami? You think I think it's like, all even. I think yeah. everybody has an even chance. You guys actually might have the best chance. I don't know who has the best chance. Yeah. I'm a huge I'm a huge Beal fan. And if you want me to address that the Golden State situation, Let's I'm a huge I'm a huge Bradley Beal fan. Um, you know, again, I think he's one of the best scorers in the NBA. Amazing footwork, very efficient, great score. Um I, I haven't seen him a lot on the defensive end, but I just heard that he's you know probably below par on that end so i'm not i don't want him personally for the warriors oh and wow. and here, here's my take everyone's everyone's saying trade kelly Oubre. he's not a good fit for the warriors and i disagree i think i think everyone's looking at an offensive standpoint of his fit and like just because he's not a shooter they're like the warriors are a shooting team you have to be a shooter claire thompson's not playing we need shooters he doesn't fit he's not a shooter people forget andre Iguodala led us to championships year after year as a, a six man, a key role. And he shot, you know, in half of those seasons under three under 30% from the, from the three point line. He was not a great shooter, but what he did do. And, you know, I was going to bring this up later, but um, I'll go ahead and ask you right now. What do you think is the second most important skill in the NBA today behind shooting, which is obviously number one being able to switch on defense multiple positions and guard defense flat out second most important skill in the NBA I would say that's my opinion I stand by it I think defense is huge if you look at the two teams in the championship last year or year after year you know Miami was a great defensive team Bam Adebayo got the block in game seven against the Boston Celtics sent them to the NBA championship LeBron AD defensive player of the year you know, you got to be able to play defense. You have to. You have to be able to switch screens. You got to be able to guard down low. You know, if you're if you're playing small ball or whatever. Um, and I think Kelly Oubre is really, really, really good on defense. And I love him for the Warriors in that way. Like, yes, he can't shoot the ball, but I disagree that he's a bad fit because he plays defense because he locks up. You know, we we need guys that can come and guard the other best players, switch those screens. I could see Kelly Oubre guarding LeBron on the on the block just as well as I could see him guarding Dennis Schroeder at the top of the key. So it's like, you know, I think he's huge for us in that way. I think he brings a lot of energy on defense. I like the kid. I, I don't really want to trade him. I'll trade him for, for obviously the right deal, but I wouldn't trade him plus, you know, three first round picks and, you know, Pascal or something for Bradley Beal. That's just me. I love Bradley Beal. That's not a good deal. I'm not taking okay, it. Okay, so the, the Bradley Beal deal that I had here was involving Ubre. It was Ubre Wiseman and the Minnesota. Hell no. So we got your opinion. Hell no. So what if I'm we, not to me, Wiseman is off the I, I think the Warriors would agree with me. I think Wiseman is off the block. I think he's untouchable at this point. He's nineteen years old. He looks amazing. I think, you know, I think he's untouchable. 
you threw me for a loop here because I mean, I, I agree with your point a hundred percent. Now that I heard your, your take, I agree with it. Um, I expected it because I think 99% of NBA fans would just naturally be like, yeah, Bradley Beal, give him to me. But yeah. uh, it makes complete sense when you put it that way. And it made me think about um, the fit for Kelly Oubre and just how has your, before the season, I think expectations from all of us were very high on Oubre. Now he's had a slow offensive start to the season, but mm-hmm. how has it been like seeing him fit in with these guys? How, how do you think he's fit? So here's the thing for a lot of, a lot of fans out there that don't necessarily know basketball at a, at a super, super high level is, and, and a lot of people don't realize this, even high level basketball players don't realize it, is that basketball is about 80% mental and 20% physical. And Kelly Oubre came in, you know, playing 80% physical and 20% mental. Didn't really understand um, the sets as well, you know, like coming into a new offense and just wasn't there. Like when he shot the ball, he might have missed his first five threes on a brand new team. Immediately, you know, his mentality fell out and he started missing. He just got in his own head. He wasn't feeling confident with his shot. And you could see it. You could see it with his feet. You could see it when his upper body, when he caught the ball, everything's still moving because he didn't know if he wanted to shoot it. He didn't know. He didn't know what to do. He wasn't comfortable. You know, he didn't feel strong enough shooting that shot. So I think he's going to start getting more comfortable. Um, I think he'll start understanding the offense more. You know, as you can see the last couple of games, I think he scored like over 20 in the last two or three games. He was, you know, he's getting, he's getting in the paint and he's starting to knock down threes, you know, at a little bit of a higher level, not, not, you know, elite, but just where we need it. If he could shoot over 33% from the three, that's phenomenal. Speaking of the last few games for the Warriors, recently they moved uh, James Wiseman to a bench role and moved Kevon Looney into the starting center role. Mm-hmm. How has that been for you? Do, you? do you enjoy Wiseman off the bench? Do you prefer him with the starters? How do you feel about that? Um, it's just, I think it just goes to the geniusness of Steve Kerr because to me, on paper, like that doesn't make sense. I want to see Draymond and, and Wiseman playing together. I want to see Steph and and Wiseman coming off the pick and roll. And obviously that's going to happen. Like they're going to be on the court together, even though he's not starting. Um, but I think that move by Steve Kerr is just like, he makes crazy moves like that and they just work out. Like you've seen in the last few games, like him coming off that bench, we've been getting wins. And it's not, you know, because Kevon Looney is a better player than Wiseman or anything like that. I just think, you know, Steve Kerr is running – practices with them every single day and he just saw something that you know he thought would be a good change and you know tried it and it worked that's just basketball some some fits are better than others this is something that um we have to address right now because there is a very small portion of i don't know if you're involved in basketball twitter you shouldn't be it's a it's a toxic mess i don't go on twitter yet there's a small portion of basketball twitter that um has actually called Steve Kerr out for some of his moves this season and I think it's ridiculous so I want you to just take I want to hear it because I'm not on Twitter I like the idea I just I don't know I don't know why I'm not on Twitter because I've heard if you're on Twitter or Reddit or whatever you're kind of first in line to all the information but it's okay so basically he's been getting called out for the Kelly Oubre stuff for moving Wiseman to the bench and just for kind of I guess I don't even think it's a slow start. I, I'm not agreeing with any of this, by the way, but I just want to give you the floor to defend Steve Kirk because I think he's one of the best coaches we've, we've seen. Yeah. Um, well, I got to hear more. I got to hear more hot takes. I mean, what are, they, what are they saying against Wiseman coming off the bench? Because like I said, 
you can hate on it all you want. I'm not saying Kevin Looney is a better player than Wiseman, but they're getting wins, and that's what's important. I don't think Wiseman's upset at it if they're winning. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's, he understands his role. He understands his rookie. Like I said, he's still going to get time on the court with Steph and Draymond and those guys. And, um, you know, I think as the season progresses, too, he'll probably come back into the starting lineup. But, you know, I think you the, main, the main point it um, that Twitter was trying to make, they always do this. When you have a great coach and a great player, you, saw, you see it with, uh, with football right now, with Belichick and Brady. It always becomes like, oh, actually, it was this guy doing it, not this guy. And mm-hmm. I think that's where it comes from. It's like people are now starting to be like, oh, it's because he has Steph, because he has Draymond, because he had Clay, because he had KD. And maybe he's not as good as we thought. And I think that's completely ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. what, what's your take on that as a Warriors fan? I mean, I think even the coaches, like even as a trainer, you know, with me, I'm not going to take credit for any, you know, player success. That's, that's on them. Like no matter how many times I've trained somebody, that's always the player. I'm just going to help them elevate what they already have. Like I'm not going to take credit for, for them. So I think Steve Kerr, Bill Belichick, I think they would give the credit to those guys and they wouldn't try to take the credit. But at the same time, as somebody who understands basketball or football or whatever sport you're in, like those are the greats. Like those guys understand it better than top 99% of people in the world. They know exactly what they're doing. They've been doing it forever. Steve Kerr has been on some of the most amazing teams in the history of basketball. He's, he knows what he's doing. You got to just trust the guy. Like he's brought them to championships. Yes. That he had all the players he needed, all the players around him, but it, it takes something else to get those players to work within the offense, to work with each other, play team basketball. You know, I think a lot of that, a lot of that kind of stuff is an attest to Steve Curry, you know, the ball movement, um, the sets, letting his players play freely and, and uh, confidently. I think that's, that's more what he's doing. I, I completely yeah. agree. And um, on the topic of, you kind of mentioned competing for championships. We're going to kind of switch gears here. I know there's questions that you want to ask me and I'm excited for them. The last Warriors related topic that I want to get to is looking at the standings. You mentioned that they're in eighth, but they're actually, there's a, there's a, there's a one, two, three, four, five way tie right now for fifth Memphis, Phoenix, Portland, Golden State, San Antonio. Besides the Lakers, I'm going to rattle off teams and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, are the, would the Warriors win in a series or not? And this, it might be. Do you want me to, do you want me to give you a reason why, or do you want to just yes, no answer? Um, you can give a short reason why, I guess. So okay. yeah, it makes sense for our audience. Let's start off with the number one team in the West, the Clippers. That's a tough one right off the bat. That's a tough one. Um, I think we, first of all, did we split the series or did we go 2-0 against them this year? Me... Let's look that up. Um, the Clippers, it, it's it's one one right now. So you guys split, yeah. and you guys played a back to back. Yeah. Um, honestly, I would be afraid of them. You know, I think there's a lot of talent on that team. I think, you know, Kawhi is a tough matchup. Um, they're they're deep. They're powerful. I'm I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that they would, you know, I think they. They'd take us probably right now in a seven-game seven series. Fair enough. I, I definitely think it would be a good fight. Um, yeah. You guys against anybody is going to be a great fight. Yeah. What about um, I have Denver, and then I want you to say who, who's going to guard Jokic? Would it be – go ahead and answer the question. Who, who would you have on Jokic? 
Yeah. Um, Denver, I think we, I think we match up well with Denver. Honestly, I think we, I think we would win that series, which, you know, people can argue with or whatever, but um, I like our matchup with Denver. Um, I think that's a tough answer. I think Kevon Looney would guard him really well just because of his length and, you know, his solidness. He wouldn't really get, give him anything easy in the paint. Uh, but I would also like to see Draymond guard him a little bit just because Draymond's such a pest, you know, he's going to get him in the shots that he doesn't want to necessarily take. And, um, you know, but again, like with basketball, with, you know, with all this stuff, with football too, like when you, ha- when you're playing, when you're playing cornerback and you're the best cornerback in the league, Jalen Ramsey, whatever, best defender, defensive player, one-on-one in the NFL, I'm going to compare it to NBA. Um, it's not just you. It's the whole defense. Obviously, it's how well you're able to defend somebody at the initial break, like initial point, you know, at the line of scrimmage or getting them outside of their position and pushing them outside the paint or whatever. But then it's about how is my team, how am I going to get my team to help me on defense? Which way do I need to force them? We're playing team defense. So I think with Jokic, it's going to be a lot of team defense. It's not just one guy is going to shut that guy down. Same way, not one guy is going to shut down Julio Jones or Antonio Brown or a guy like that. Like you realize like these guys, you can't stop them one-on-one. Like you can force them into tough shots and tough situations, but it's going to be team defense, going to be rotations. I think you kind of got to, you kind of got to defend that that guy like that, you know, that way rather than one-on-one. Let's go with uh, one of the hottest teams in the NBA. This will be the last team we, we do this for is the Utah Jazz. And I want to ask you the same question. Clay Thompson is obviously your guys' primary wing defender. Um, who do you see guarding Donovan Mitchell in a series right now if, if you guys match up with the Jazz? I think he's going to see a lot of different people. Like, again, like it can't just be one guy, I think. And I think it's smarter to, to put different people on it because different kind of – it's just a different feeling. In basketball, like it's a lot of rhythm. If you start hitting a couple shots on one guy – and you're like, oh, I'm going at this guy. And then the coach steps him out and puts another long, like maybe a lengthy defender like Wiggins. Like maybe it starts off with Ubre guarding him. He's quick. He's pesty. He's going to pick him up full court. And then, you know, Donovan Mitchell's a great basketball player. He's going to figure it out. He's just smart. Like he's been doing this for a long time. He knows how to get to his spots. He knows how to beat defenders. Eventually, you got to switch it up. And then I think you put on someone like Wiggins, you know, on a rotation, put some length on him. I think that's more of a way that you would cover Mitchell than just one guy chasing him the whole game honestly when we talk about these playoff matchups you guys against anybody is going to be so fun to watch I can't yeah. wait so please yeah please. I think we're deeper than people say like I mentioned Damian Lee I think Damian Lee is a player like he's a, he's a killer bro he can shoot really really well he's always in the right position like he slides on offense he moves without the ball he makes the right reads doesn't really turn it over and he's going to play hard on defense like that's that's really what you want for a basketball player. Like we talked about the two best tools on defense is shooting and around on, on uh, two best skills in the NBA right now is shooting is defense. And, you know, I think we're not the best shooting team we've ever assembled, but defensively we might have one of the best defensive teams we've had in a while. That's saying something too, because you guys have had some championship level defensive teams. Mm-hmm. And um, we mentioned you know, the Steph ISOs, it's out of necessity, but that defense makes you guys, I think, just yeah. as good. Obviously, no Kevin Durant, no Clay Thompson, but the, the, the mental toughness and the, the, um, the identity of the team is still there, and that's huge. Mm-hmm. 
I know you yeah. have some questions that you want to ask me. So go, go ahead and go ahead and ask. I have no idea what to expect here. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, bro. Um, yeah. I mean, I think as an identity, you want to have defense at the top. Like, yeah. Um, okay. I had this talk with Ryan the other day oh, and, uh, and it was, it actually, um, I had two different players in mind, but I want to see what you think. I want to ask you who is the most skilled player of all time. You know, my job is, is teaching basketball skills. And obviously that's one of my favorite things to pay attention to. And I just want to know from you who is the most skilled player of all time in your opinion. Go. The most skilled has got to be MJ. I mean, he had all the tools in his arsenal, offensively, defensively. Um, with that being said, I don't know where you wanted me to go with this. Mm-hmm. I will say it might be a Phil Handy thing. LeBron James, his skill level as a pure, like, dude, his post game, his turnaround fadeaways have never looked this crisp. His three-point shot, he's always had the passing instincts. It's all coming together now, and it's scary. It's really scary. I don't know where yeah. you want me to go with that, but I got to go MJ. I think MJ is a huge pick, and honestly, when me and Ryan were talking about this, we didn't really put defense into the consideration where I think that's obviously where MJ thrived. You know, like he's one of the best great goats of all time just because he was defensive player of the year. MVP scoring champ, you know, and the defense was huge, led the league in steals, um, you know, locked down the other best players. I think that's, that's really where MJ becomes one of the greats where, um, but as far as offensive best skilled players of all time, I think you got to put Kyrie Irving up there because Kyrie Irving has a post game. Kyrie Irving can shoot the lights out of the ball. Kyrie Irving has every move in the bag as far as dribbling combos go like finishing package, all that kind of stuff. Like I think Kyrie Irving might be one of the most skilled players of all time. You know, I really what? do. And Steph Curry was up there for me because he's pulling 30 footers and that's some MJ couldn't do or, you know, his handles are, you know, up there with the best of all time, but he doesn't have that post game that, that Kyrie has. And that's what kind of flips it for me. I think. Did you see when <laughs> Kyrie and KD went live on Instagram? This is like months ago. Kyrie was telling KD, yo, you got to give me at least four post touches in every half. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got a point. You got a point. I mean, he's got a crazy, crazy arsenal of tricks in his bag. Um, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a great one. He's definitely, definitely one of the most skilled players. To ever but play. I think that's just offensively because, I mean, he's a, good, he's a good defensive player. But when you talk about all around most skilled, like defense, that's half of the game. So I, yeah. think, that MJ, I think that MJ call is, is pretty good. What's, what's your next question? Let's see. And what... I would say LeBron is one of the smartest players in the NBA, yeah. in NBA history. As far as skill goes, though, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say he's, a, you know, he's obviously skilled. He's, in my opinion, the greatest of all time. But, you know, I'd say his smarts outweigh his skills. Fair his strength, strength and athleticism and, and stuff, obviously. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, let's, let's hear what else you got for me. I hope it's. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So you were talking about, M- you had Embiid and Jokic in your MVP, your top three. And you didn't even have Luca in there. No. Uh, that's crazy. But uh, um, I want to know who you think has better footwork, Embiid or Jokic. Again, I'm sticking with, st- with skills because that's what I do. I want to pick your brain on that. Footwork-wise, um, I think it's, it's got to be Jokic for me because he has an array of moves that he can do with just using pump fakes and, and, and changing his, um, the way he contorts his body, whereas Embiid – 
I'm going to look this up right now, but I would assume that he leads the league in free throws. Embiid is literally just like a power, like dominant, not to say he doesn't have, they both have, they're both, you know, MVP candidates for a reason. Uh, as I look up Embiid's free throws a game. Um, but where, where do you go with that? I, I disagree with you. I think, I think Jokic is the obvious pick kind of, I think everyone's like Jokic is, you know, they see the pump face, they see the step throughs, they see the pivots and all these passes and stuff like that to create better angles. But the thing that dif- that differentiates Embiid and Jokic, because I think Embiid has all that too. Obviously, he doesn't want to pass out of the post. He wants to score out of the post. But Embiid will catch at the top of the key and go downhill at you and do a cross jab and counter behind the back and then get through like a into a slide by or split split a couple defenders and get into a crazy one foot reverse layup like that's the difference is that Embiid has that footwork, but he also has it off the dribble where I feel like Jokic has it a little more in the post where, you know, Embiid does too. Like I would argue that they both have great post footwork, great, you know, po- po- uh, footwork out of the, the, the mid range. But when it comes to handling the basketball, which is a lot of footwork Embiid is, it, you know, takes him on that. So I got, I got to go with Embiid. That's, that's a great point. Um, he definitely, I don't know if I've ever seen Jokic take the ball from the three-point line to the basket. Um, no, I mean, Embiid's doing stuff you've never – like, Hakeem Olajuwon, you know, debatably best footwork of all time for a big man, but I don't even think Hakeem Olajuwon could do, you know, a jab step – like, out of the mid post, do a jab step, fake step back, you know, attack the basket into a spin move and flush it on somebody. Like, Embiid is – he's playing, like, a point guard out there, just a really slow, gigantic one, so – Seven, seven foot two. I just looked yeah. it up. He's averaging 12 free throws a game, which is a testament to his skill. Um, being able to basically, he has the defense at his mercy. And Jokic is averaging six. So Jokic is averaging half the free throw attempts. And it's because Embiid is always literally just in attack mode and go. That's mode. what I mean. I think it's really because Embiid can get downhill. Yeah. Where like Jokic is more side to side, finesse, creating angles, kind of you know, with those half spins and um, pump fakes and stuff like that. And then beat is just like, he'll, cro- he'll, he'll, he'll open up and do a crossover out of the mid post. Like, I don't know if I've seen it. Jokic really hit a double cross or, you know, like I said, a cross jab and, you know, attack downhill like that. So. That's, that's a very, very, very good point. And it's something that I have to watch for going forward. Do you have another question for me? Yeah. Secretly, I knew you were going to say Jokic though. So. Um, <laughs> I love Jokic so much. Um, okay, I got two. I got two, and this is this is geared towards you. The skills that's that's information I want to know because that's what I love. But I want to know from you, the Bulls fan that you are. Okay. <laughs> Will uh, Zach Levine ever win a scoring title? Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question, and the answer I think it it has to be no, because not because he can't. But because if he was good, okay, so Bradley Beal, uh, I think 35 points a game right now. I have to double check that. But um, how is Bradley Beal doing that? The Wizards are really, really bad, and he has to score a lot. The Bulls, by the way, we're really, really bad, and Zach has to score a lot. And he's doing it efficiently. He's doing everything he needs to. It's not his fault at all that we suck. He's literally the only good thing about our team. Uh, But that's only getting him 28 points a game. And – yeah, he could jack up a few more shots and get to like close to it. But if you're gonna, but also you got to consider this though. 
and this is the hugest part. How old is Zach Levine? 25. And how old is Bradley Beal? 27. He does have a little bit. Yeah, he has a little bit more juice in him. I think on a on a real like good team, if we did trade Levine, I think he would be getting less touches, which would I still think he's like twenty eight points a game, like even on a good team. Now, if if he stays, you're talking about you're talking about what is the scoring title? Most years, thirty three, you know, thirty four points a game. We'll, we'll we'll get that, and that's five points away from Zach Levine, and he's only twenty four or twenty five. Like your prime is twenty eight. You don't think he can jump another five points per game in the next five years? He can. I just I guess I'm hopeful that he's on a good team by then. Maybe if it's not us <laughs> and like. For example, like you look at the Nets and when you're on a good team, everybody's numbers are just going to be impacted a little bit negatively. So I think in his prime, I'm hopeful that he's actually on a good team, um, but he can. I want to I want to emphasize that he can. I just think that I, I think he's going to be on a good team. Hopefully it's us. I don't think it's going to be us. Sadly. <laughs> okay. All right. That was I a like great it. question, though. That was a great yeah. question. Um. Okay, and uh, all right, my next question um, is I want to kind of – we've been talking a little football too and Super Bowls this weekend or next weekend? This weekend. This coming weekend, right? Yes. Um, who, in your opinion, is the Browns of the NBA? Like just like pathetic, everybody like knew it was a dub walking in the gate and then, you know, now, now maybe they might be a few pitches away, but it took them, you know, what seems like an eternity. Wow. Um, so we're basically saying like the Browns kind of before this year, like, like an, eter- an eternity of, of, of being awful and being the Browns and the poo-poo that they are. And, you know, now maybe after a decade, they might be up on the, on the rise. You know, I would, I would go, there's a couple ways you can answer. Oh God. Now that I think about it, there's a couple ways you can answer this question. Um, I would say, I would say the Kings and I wanted to say the Pistons, but the thing is the Pistons won in 2004, the Browns, I don't think they've ever won. Well, also which team is better right now? I would say the Kings, the Kings for sure would wipe up the the Pistons. I like the Kings. The Kings are fun. Um, I think that's a great pick. I think that's a great pick. Since, uh, since 2002, they've been kind of battling uphill to be mm-hmm. relevant and they're probably, yeah. I, I, what do you, what do you think about that? I think that's a great pick because I think, I think there's like this chase. A lot of teams have this chase for mediocrity where it's like, you know, they are bad for so long and then they get a couple pieces and then they start paying more money or whatever, or like, you know, P- Portland, for example, I don't see Portland ever winning a championship, but you know, they were, they were not that great. And then they got, dame and they got cj and they've been putting some money in but it's like dude all you're gonna do is just get a top 15 pick every single year and you're not gonna you're not gonna win a championship like it's you're just gonna be living in in mediocrity chasing that 15th pick every year where it's like the kings they put together a decent roster but then they're also able to get high draft capital and and pick good players like tyrese halliber and their deer and fox or whatever like that and they're you know it's, it's important. As a Warriors fan, I realize how important it is to be really, really bad for a few years. You don't want to be, like, just a little bad or, like, not that bad. You want to be really bad 
because then everyone underestimates you. You have a chip on your shoulder. You get some picks. You start building a roster around that um, and, and youth and kind of like growing that into a dynasty where I think the Kings have that. I think, think of a good, about, a good balance of, of youth and picks and vet players, and I think that's just a key to success. So I think that's a, I think that's a really good pick, the Kings. They're, they're a fun, exciting young team, and I'm excited to see their future. Maybe one, one more piece, and I think that they're – Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I don't see them winning a championship anytime soon, but I definitely think, you know, with the roster they have right now, they just keep doing what they're doing. It would be nice. It would be real nice. I, I completely agree. Do you have any other questions written on that sheet for me? Because I have a question for you. I don't. So fire. Fire away. So my question is, is Kent Bazemore the most underrated player in the NBA right now? Because every time – I don't get to watch all the games, but I watch the House of Highlights recaps for sure. And mm-hmm. it just seems like he's always doing something. I don't know what it is yeah. about him. We didn't so- – so we drafted Kent, Kent Bazemore. I don't, know if, I don't know if anybody knows that. We drafted him. He played with the G League for a little bit. And, um, you know, f- for the longest time, Kent Bazemore, he was known around the league as being the best bench, um, uh, um, like the most exciting player on the bench. Like, you know, celebrations, bench celebrations. He would go crazy. And he was literally like, I remember, I remember when we first drafted him and he was a couple of years on the team and, he was getting like sports center looks for like his celebrations on the bench. And he was getting this hyped and year after year, he just kept improving. He's always been a great defensive player, but he kept improving his shot and um, you know, his offensive arsenal and stuff. I think he's, I think he's really good. I do. I think he's the most underrated player in the NBA. Probably not. I think honestly, I don't even think he's the most underrated player on the Warriors. I like, I like, I like Damian Lee. I, okay. I really do. I think Damian Lee, nobody knows about him, but they're going to find out. He had a game winner this year. You know, I think he'll shoot over 40% from three. He plays hard, plays the right way. I like him. I got one last question, then we got to get out of here. Are you hitting the panic button on Jordan Poole yet? No, I want the dude to get some more minutes. (laughs) I like Jordan Poole. I really do. I think that dude is a spark. Yeah, I mean, he is blocked, like, by by the guys we just mentioned, Damian Lee, Kent Bazemore, Wiggins. I would, I would, I would start pl- playing him a little bit more and moving, you know, Bazemore down to the three as much as possible, or even playing Jordan at the one more or something, you know. I'm sorry, we got one last question to ask you. How Nico. hyped would you be about Nico? Are you gonna say Nico? I knew you were gonna say yeah. Nico. I knew I you were gonna say him. Nico. How hyped <laughs> would you be? I love watching him play. I again, more minutes. It's tough because he's a two-way player right now, and I think even though with the COVID, I think it's helping the two-way players because they can practice every, every day with the teams and stuff. But I think you're still only allowed a certain amount of games played throughout the season. And he's fighting that with Juan and Gomez. And, and uh, I like him. I think he's, he'll be a, a good player in NBA. I just need to see more of him, you know. But with Steph, under Tulelage of Steph, and he seems like a really hard worker. And he's been, you know, that boy since high school. So I don't see why not. Did you see him make Steph laugh so hard that Steph spit out the water? <laughs> no, this I didn't. You like have to send me that. Uh, I will send it to you. What do you think he said? Did you lip read it? 
I no, he he was wearing his mask, so you couldn't tell at uh. all. But uh, whatever he said, Steph Curry couldn't like Steph Curry had just drank some water, and then he, Nico said something to him, and Steph spit it out on accident. <laughs> So yeah, he, I love that. Obviously, like he he fits in with the culture and the chemistry. Mm-hmm. So I agree. I mean, with anybody you draft, I think number one overall thing. If I'm a GM, and I think you, I think like I've I've heard pod, podcasts with a lot of the number one GMs, or you know, I talk to a lot of college scouts and stuff like that to try to figure out what they're looking for. And I think really what you got to look for is how much do they love basketball? Like how much do they love basketball? Because that's what's going to bring, you know, that's what's going to be keeping them in the game or in the gym and keeping them learning more about the game and, and, you know, improving their skills over time, just how much they love it. You know? So I think Nico Mannion is a, is a good fit for that. I think James Wiseman is the same kind of dude. That's the guys, the Warriors draft is just players that, you know, have that hunger for getting better and love the game so much that they, you know, want to put in the work. So I think he's, I think he'll put in the work is, is what I'm trying to say, you know, and over time he'll, he'll get more, more playing time. So. I couldn't agree more. It has been yeah. an absolute pleasure to have you on. We're going to get you and Ryan Azzarello on at the same time at some point in the near future, I promise you. Um, oh, my God. We got to bring that dynamic to the podcast. But Warriors got the self- You're pretty – can I say that? You're pretty level-headed this time. Usually I get some really hot takes. I remember when you were saying Zach Levine is trash. What did you say about Kobe White, you, that you would take oh. him over Trey Young? Uh, before the season started so i need to hear some more stuff like that it was way too it was you were a little too on point today i need i, I need the normal <laughs> armani hot takes i've been humbled man we suck <laughs> kobe has been pretty pretty shaky it's been a humbling a humbling season we we are not good and the future is not bright right now so i i have no hot takes to give you i'm sorry well, but, I'm hoping I'm hoping All Star All Star Weekend will come around, and you'll be hoping Kobe's starting point guard or something like that. So, so right before we go, Kobe White last game against Damian Lillard in the first half, he had like 18 and six, and I was like, oh my god! But then he finished the game with like 20 and seven. So it's like the second half, like a great half. That's that's a story. Yeah. Remember what I said 80 and 20. Mental. You're completely mental. Right. He got out. He got out of it. But I, I'm. I guarantee you. To all you kids out there, one of the most important skills to have in basketball is aggression. You got to be aggressive the whole game. Even if you're missing shots, don't matter. One thousand percent. As always, it's it's a pleasure to have you on here, Clay. Clay Hoops eight six eight on Instagram, and we're gonna get out of here. Until next time, Armand. It's my pleasure, brother. Hey, uh, I'll hope to see you next week, man. Come on down. Yes, sir. We miss you here at the Hoop House, your family. Miss you guys as well. All right, bro. All right. Take it easy. Thanks for having me. Of course.